Good morning, church. Good morning. It's a joy to be here again. Like you heard from the announcement, I'm returning. <laughs> Somebody has reminded me of some old, old days when we would tell who a junior secondary school student is, that is from one and two, and who a senior secondary school student was. Not just in the way they dressed, but in the way they carried their jerseys. If they put it around the waist, then were junior. If they put it on their shoulders, then they are senior secondary school students. So I don't know why I've been reminded of that. <laughs> Turn with me to Acts and chapter 13. Acts and chapter 13. I was missing a voice of somebody in this church as we were singing, and suddenly she came, so it was good to hear her voice again, right behind me. Acts chapter 13, we'll read the first three verses. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon called Nigger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaon, who has been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they are worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and preaching of his holy word. I am reliably informed that as a local assembly here, you have been looking at the church you have defined what the church is and what the church should do. Today, I want to continue by answering the question, how does the church participate, or what is the role of the church in the call of an individual to the ministry? If an individual has been called to the ministry, what is the role of the church for example, when the Lord asks the question in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, and I quote, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? In the same verse, we get a, a personal response. Isaiah says, Here am I, send me. This question is so personal in nature, 
And this answer is equally personal. And so the general response will be, so what? If the Lord is saying, whom shall I send? And one says, here I am, send me. So it is between you and God. As an assembly, we, how do you want us to get involved? And, and that's what I want to answer this morning. Let me begin by saying the Christian life and ministry are church-based. Christian life and Christian ministry is church-based in nature. No one should call himself or herself a Christian without the involvement of the church. Yes, you can get saved, but where are you going to live your Christian life? No one should say they are carrying out Christian ministry and they are not involved in a church. For example, you do not train a medical doctor without a hospital. It is now where we are hearing somebody is doing medicine behind some closed door where the hospital is very, very far. But actually, you are supposed to train as a medical doctor in the hospital so that to a doctor, the medical school is his workplace. The hospital is not just his training place, but also his workplace. Therefore, the role of the church in the life of an individual who has a calling must work together with what the church is doing. This is to do with those of us that are in leadership. This is to do with those of us that have a calling. This is to do with those of us who are members of the church. And I want us to be reminded that if there's any man who did not want any human interference, it would have been the Apostle Paul himself. Because the Apostle Paul had a call direct from the Lord Jesus himself. We know from Acts chapter 9 and verse 15 following, we are told the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to Saul himself by word of mouth, an audible voice. In that voice, he was clearly taught. And this message came to even a second person, Ananias. God, the Lord said, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry out my name before the Gentiles and to their kings and before the people of Israel. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. Those are words of the Lord Jesus Christ in the ears of Ananias who was doubting whether he should go and pray for Saul or not. And obviously we know that earlier on the Lord Jesus Christ met with Saul in chapter 9 and verse 5 where the Lord Jesus Christ says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up into the city 
and go to do what I've told you to do. And he, he tells him he's going to meet a man known as Ananias. So, to begin with, we need to check out the following. The salvation, for example, of Saul, when he's on the road to Damascus, is confirmed by the church. He would have said, for me, my salvation is different. The Lord appeared to me in a unique way. Okay, Mr. Ananias came and prayed for me and scales or something fell out of my eyes. I'm able to see. It is not like the way you got saved. And in my salvation, I am different from you. But that's not what the Apostle Paul says. See from verse 17, chapter 9 and verse 17 to 22. Ananias is described as a disciple, meaning he belonged to the church at Damascus. Ananias goes to help the apostle Paul in his salvation. It is Ananias who lays his hands on, Anani on Paul and prays for him. The church is already involved in the salvation and calling of the apostle Paul. He would have said, I'm on my own. I have a direct call from God. But yes, the church must be involved. That is his answer. And guess what? In chapter 9, verse 20 of Acts, Saul is introduced to the church. Guess who introduces him? Obviously, it should be Ananias who went to pray for him. Or... His, his host, Judas, where are they introducing him? They're introducing him to the body of Christ, that this one is now part of us. Friends, the church is important. The church is the family we belong to. The church is where we should express our salvation into and be able to rise from there and save the Lord. It is in the church. Again, to do with Apostle Paul, his theology, it is not just his salvation, but his theology, or what he is going to do, or the teachings of the Apostle Paul are proved by the church. Acts chapter Chapter 9, again, verse 20, he goes to an assembly. At once, he began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 21, all those who heard were astonished and asked, isn't this man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on, on this name? And and, you know, they are wondering how come this man is teaching what we know as a church, that Jesus is the Son of God. Why was Saul persecuting the church? He was persecuting the church because of what the church taught. The church taught that Jesus is the Christ. 
Jesus is the son of God. And so being a Pharisee, that went to his heart. It pricked his heart. It was against his theology. It was against his teaching. And so he rises up and goes to even kill those who preach the Lord Jesus Christ. But because now Saul is coming to an assembly, now Saul is meeting with other believers, now Ananias has explained who Jesus Christ is, guess what? Saul begins to open his mouth and begins to teach, saying, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the way of salvation. And now people are wondering, is this not the man who caused havoc? And, and we know havoc is not small noise. Havoc is, is serious matter. It's not something that is hidden. Remember, Stephen died because of Saul. Remember, the church split, ran away from Jerusalem because of what is known as havoc. It's like war. And who shapes the theology of Saul? It is the believers in the church as they meet with him. And guess what? He takes up this habit. Even when he becomes a fully-fledged apostle, wherever he went, he went to the synagogue and began to challenge the people to tell them who Jesus Christ is. If he was in our time, where we have international ministries run, run by individuals who have not even crossed one border. The Apostle Paul, I don't know what name he would have given to his ministry without the involvement of the church. But friends, here is an example that we should follow, that the church must be involved the church must agree with your theology. The church must check what you are going to teach. The church must stand with you in the things that you are involved in. But then, his call is equally verified by the church, which brings me to the text that we read this morning. The rest of that was just an introduction. <laughs> the text we have read this morning, the Apostle Paul, we are given what you may like a flipping page from chapter 1 to chapter nine or even 12, we see the life of the Apostle Peter. But then when we reach chapter 13, another page is opened. Onwards, we are going to see the life of the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul has just been mentioned from chapter nine 
and it is silent, and then it comes to chapter 13, where we begin to see who then is this special apostle? Who is this Paul? And we go to the end of the book talking about the apostle Paul. So then, how does this new page come about? It is because the Apostle Paul is at the church in Antioch. He's part of the body of the believers that meet at the church at Antioch. Ask yourself, where is the Apostle Paul? When they've mentioned of him in chapter 9, chapter 10, 11, and 12, it is silent. Let me remind you that he is in the church of Manabas. He is at the church at Antioch. He is participating in the life of the church, forming, if you like, his theology, things that he's going to teach, things that he should understand before he launches out to go and plant churches. We know how the apost how Barnabas picked Paul single-handedly to go and disciple him, to go and nurture him, to go and uh, correct him in his thinking so that he does the right thing. Obviously, the church is involved and they are at the church at Antioch. And in this church, I wanted to discover the following. First, it is the church that confirms the core of Paul. Friends, look at the way they did it. They were seriously thinking about where do we place this brother? How can we help this brother? What is he talking about? I'm sure he's been talking about the call that God had placed upon his heart. When the Lord Jesus Christ said, this is my servant. I am going to show you how much he should suffer for me. And I'm sure the Apostle Paul has been waiting and waiting. When? How? What should I do? And the church is involved. What do they do? They pray and fast about it. That's how serious it is. They're praying and fasting to do what? To confirm as to who is going to go. How is he going to go? Friends, the confirmation of the core must be confirmed by the church if you are called by God. The church that you attend must see something about you that you are born again, that you have a call of God, that you know what you are going to do. But look at the way they prayed. As they prayed, whether audible or just the conviction they had, they had on their hearts, they heard the Holy Spirit say, separate for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. 
This time it is not so wanting the confirmation. It is the church that is praying, that is told, set apart Barnabas and Saul. That is very comforting for anyone who has a call of God. Because you know that other people have also sensed the call. It is, it is like those ideas. I don't know if they still happen when we were young. Um, the elders then would tell us, if you're approaching a young lady for marriage, and you say, the Lord has shown me you are the one, you as a young lady should also respond, let me also hear the call. Don't just say, because the Lord has spoken to you, I agree. Uh-uh. But these days, I don't know whether it's happening or not. You may not want to wait whether the call is being confirmed or not. But it's very comforting. I don't know if I've told you this story or not. I went to a secondary school that I would consider as a Christian secondary school because our scripture union was very, very vibrant. If you were a part of the executive, it was like you were a deacon of the church. You knew what was going on. But then, after my secondary school, I come to Ndola, training at Nautic. I see one of my former school mates, and I greet him, oh, how are you, how are you? And his friends say, ah, pastor. I look at him, no, this guy at school was just playing football. He was not in scripture union. How come he's a pastor? I know him. But the guy says, now I'm a pastor, you know. I'm saying no. Other people wish you should be able to understand that yes, there's a calling here because we have a history about them. So let the church be on the lookout. Let the leaders of the church see the potential that is there. Let their ears be attentive to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying about individuals in the church. So that when they say they have a calling, you can be able to confirm, yes, brother, yes, sister. For others, you can hold on. Can we confirm this call that you have on God? You are not making a mistake. You are not blocking anyone. You are just helping that individual. But that is only possible if you are attentive to the leading of the Spirit of God. If you are aware of what teaching is all about, as far as the Bible is concerned. Friends, we have a big responsibility as a church today to confirm the calling that God is putting on individuals. It is us that should pray and fast so that we are at home 
So first of all, the church does not just confirm, but the church commissions the individual. The confirmation leads to commissioning or releasing the individual or sending him away. In this church at Antioch, this is a special church, by the way. It is a special church in the sense that at the church in Antioch, there were prophets, there were teachers. What did they teach? They taught the word of God. They taught how the church should be, how should people should be commissioned for the ministry. Look at Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection to Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, telling the message only to the Jews. Some of them, however, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was on them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now we know where the story is going. Why is the church in Jerusalem sending Barnabas to go and confirm what is being taught, whether it is right or not? And as Barnabas is coming there, Barnabas is familiar, knows the scriptures, knows that what is expected. And when he's part of that assembly, the news goes to Jerusalem. And you know, it is at that assembly where Paul is. And when that news reached, there is joy. But the excitement I have over the church at Antioch is that this is the church that becomes the first one, not just to be called Christians, but to send out missionaries outside Jerusalem. It is not just the church at Jerusalem, but the Antioch church becomes the first one to send out Paul and Barnabas as missionaries. And I love this in the sense that the people that were there were not from one tribe. The people that were there, they were not from one race. But they were Gentiles and Jews. The people came from different backgrounds. There is, there is even a black man there. Simon, he's also part of it, the nigger. Maybe that's where the American thing came from. Friends, that becomes a good example of the church. And from that church, as they have been praying and hearing the voice of the Lord, 
they come and lay their hands on Barnabas and Saul and they send them away. I can feel the joy and excitement on Barnabas and Saul to say this call of God is not for us alone but we have a backing of the home church. But we have men that have prayed for us. We have the leaders that have laid hands on us. Slowly but sure, they are becoming accountable to the church that is sending them away. Yes, God has called them. Yes, they have the calling. They are individuals that have responded, but they belong to the body of Christ. And that body of Christ has confirmed it. Let me say a little bit of myself. When I left employment to go to Bible school, I needed to ask my, my parents whether I was doing the right thing or not. Other relatives said, ah, 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 please, don't. But when my parents said, you have our blessings, go ahead. I very quickly put my wife and son, let's go to Bible school. I have an assurance from my mother, from my parents. That gives you comfort. But when you do not have assurance from where you are coming from, you'll be going against. In other words, he's being sent away, not just as an individual, but as a representative of the church at Antioch. The songs that Paul is going to sing in the assemblies that he's going to plant, where do you think he learned them from? The language of presenting the gospel, where do you think he learned it from? The style of carrying himself as a missionary, where do you think he learned it from? It's from the assembly that he came from. When we release people that have a call of God, we are reproducing ourselves where they are going. And so we should freely send them. Again, this is hard work for us to identify, to know the calling. Because sometimes we look at people and say, no, 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 you're still young. Or we look at them, no, 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 you're too old. Oh, no, no, there's this. When you marry, or when you have three children, maybe when you have four, better. Those are not the marks. The marks is the call of God on the individual. How committed are they to the work of God? How effective are they in the body of Christ? What will they do? I'm sure you're asking yourself, what does all this got to do with me who is a member of a church? I am not even in leadership. I'll come to that in a while. But this is a requirement of the church. 
so that we can reproduce ourselves, so that we can have people that can go and preach the gospel with the backing from the church they are coming from. But thirdly, this church had teachers. That's what we read. These teachers, they taught the word of God, meaning that their decisions were based on the teaching they were giving out to the body of Christ. What, what, what do we teach? What do we learn? Are we learning that the Bible is the, th the authority of God, the sole authority of God? Do we believe it? Do we live according to it or not? So that whoever is coming outside us is also going to teach what the Bible teaches. Today we have confusions in the way churches are being planted because the confusion could be starting with where the individuals are coming from. Friends, we have a challenge in this country in our age and time when the description of, this, of a Christian has become very, very difficult. It has become very difficult. I have heard people who have said Zambia has been declared as a Christian nation. So everyone is a Christian. It doesn't matter which church you go to. And indeed, if somebody believes that, they are not going to question what is being taught in that church. Our friends, friends, we need to have teachers that are going to teach the word of God. And we have students that should learn the word of God as members of the church. And as we know the word of God, we are going to question certain things. How many of us, in our little knowledge, have even believed that you go to a witch finder. He says, no, that one. They don't use drums or anything else. He opens the Bible. Just because they have opened the Bible, you put all your trust in them. God helps those who help themselves. That's why I passed there to go and give me a charm that I may become effective. God forbid. Let the teachers teach the word of God. Let the students of the word of God know what it says. We have one pastor who crossed one of our borders to go and preach the gospel. And many people believed as he was preaching. But in the evening, the elders called the pastor and said, what chance do you use for preaching in Zambia? Because the preachers that come from Zambia are on fire. We used to hear of Nevas Mumba. 
We used to hear of Dan Pule. Now we have seen you. Your preaching is different from us. Give us some charms. Friends, we're in trouble. Look at the missionary who is going to come out of that church. They're going to go with charms to go and preach. They'll believe what their preacher preaches. So you who are members of the church of Christ, check what your teachers teach. Is it biblical or not? You who teach the word of God, teach what is in accordance with the scriptures so that those who come out of you can be well commissioned and sent out to go and preach nothing but the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we have churches almost at every corner, but lives have not been transformed. So many people have been, quote-unquote, commissioned. Today, they come out and say, me, I'm an evangelist. The following day, no, me, I'm a pastor. They are, it just takes two weeks. This guy is bishop something. The following week, he's apostle something. Maybe sooner or later, there'll be angel, whatever, whatever. Where is this coming from? We have spread our hands too much to accept everything and say, this is Christianity. Let them come. Let them be part of us. And whoever is coming out of us is not going to be like the Apostle Paul. Well-trained, well-grown, well-commissioned, and sent by the voice of the Lord to go and preach. Why have I said what I have said? Number one, it is an act of worship. I'm trying to apply this call. It is an act of worship for the church to identify those who have the calling of God. It is an act of worship for individuals to respond to the call of God. To say, yes, whom will I send? Here I am, O oh Lord, send me. It is an act of worship. You can imagine in what mood you are when you voice out, here am I, Lord, send me. You are, you are in the attitude of worshiping God, of surrendering before God that he may use you. And if the church is involved, the church is worshiping the Lord in that way. It is developing an attitude of being team. Those who are going to go are part of the team of those who are being sent away. As a result, they will even be supported financially because you are sending them away. I know you are saying these pastors on finances, so that uh, you know. Oh, it's biblical. Why should the church be involved? You become team with the ones that are going and you support them financially or materially and spiritually. 
Why? Because they are part of you. Because they are part of you. Because they are accountable to you. Because you know them. Because you understand what they are involved in. Because you want to sustain the ministry that they are involved in. Friends, we must learn these things. We must be actively involved in commissioning, sending out people and supporting them. The Lord has already said it. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And if there's one or two who say, here my Lord send me, we as a church should listen to the Lord whether he has put his finger on them or not. On those who has put his finger on them, let's freely send them out. Let's freely commission them out. It is an act of worship. It is also a participation in the ministry of God. How else? What the, 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 the local assembly should be concerned with the idea of reproducing themselves. Look, they, they send Barnabas, the Jerusalem church, send Barnabas to go and find out what is happening at the church at Antioch. To go and see if the teaching is the same. There should be other people to doubt me and say, ah, we don't know what he's teaching. But Riverside Chapel should not doubt because you know me. Instead, you should now support me. I can hear those uh, silent amens in you. You have agreed with me. You should be happy. You should be part of the ministry that I'm involved in. It should be something that you are encouraged in your spirit. That yes, we have such and such and such. By the way, this is not just for, 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 for personal uh, encouragement, but just to encourage you as a local assembly, Riverside Chapel. There are a number of people that are involved in full-time ministry who have passed through this church. So, find time to be praying for them. Find time to rejoice in what they're involved in. Because the years they spent with you here meant a lot in their lives. You could have not been there to commission them out, but they valued the time that they were here. So be encouraged as an assembly, but continue the good work that you're involved in. But let me close. It is a Christian responsibility for us to hear the call of God. And the call of God to the ministry is not going to come to everyone at the same time. It will come to an individual at a given time 
but this individual needs to be identified in the church and be encouraged to serve the Lord. Local assemblies have a duty to send out men and women in the ministry. By the way, we are not just talking about pastors here. We are talking about people that can serve the Lord in the various parts of the body of Christ. So that the work of God grows and grows well to the glory of his name. Are you part of the people that are praying that we may hear somebody say, Hear my Lord send me? Have you heard the call of God yourself? Please do not hide it. Express it in your assembly so that others will see and they'll be praying for you. It is time we opened our eyes and ears to hear the voice of the Lord and to identify those whom the Lord has called. May the Lord bless each one of us. Amen. Amen.